Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this sermon from Hope Church here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I pray that the preaching and teaching of this ministry has built your faith in Christ, inspired you to abide in him, and equipped you as a Jesus follower, no matter where you're tuning in from. If you would say that you have benefited from the ministry here at Hope, we would love to invite you to partner with us by joining in our year-end offering called This Is Hope. Our goal is to raise $250,000 that will go towards meeting specific needs in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. So if you've enjoyed the blessings of this video or podcast resource, would you prayerfully consider making a gift to our This Is Hope offering? If it's on your heart to do so and the Spirit is leading you, you can go to hopechurchlv.com give for all the details about the specific needs we are seeking to meet through this offering. And thank you in advance for your generosity. Now let's jump into our December sermon series, The King Has Come. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, Hope Church family. Whether you are a part of our family or you are a guest here today, we are so grateful that you have chosen to celebrate Christmas with us. If, if I hadn't got a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Scott Worthington. I have the incredible privilege of being the senior pastor here at Hope, and I'm excited to jump into God's word with you today. And as we do, I, I wonder if you'll agree with me that all throughout the season of Christmas, we hear a lot about miracles. In fact, the, the phrase, it's a Christmas miracle, is kind of in our culture I know some of you are probably praying for a Christmas miracle even during this season that that Amazon package you ordered yesterday might be on your doorstep when you get home because we all like the last minute shopping. We're all there. But there's a lot of talk about miracles, whether it's in Christmas carols or, or movies. And, and I love Christmas movies. Specifically, there was a, a very famous miracle that supposedly happened on 34th Street. You might have heard of that one. There's another miracle that happened in Central Park in New York City. Christmas miracle. Buddy the Elf and his friends saved Christmas. They saved Christmas by remembering the very true statement, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. You guys know the Christmas miracle. Of course, my favorite Christmas miracle in the movies is the fact that Kevin McAllister's family actually made it home on Christmas morning all the way from Paris, France. Miracles, miracles all over this season. But something actually happened in real life just last month that ABC News called a miracle. You may have heard of this incredible story. A man named James Grimes, 28-year-old man from Alabama, left from New Orleans on a carnival cruise with 18 of his family members the day after Thanksgiving. The first day at sea, the, the situation regarding the circumstances of this are still unknown, but somehow James Grimes fell overboard on this carnival cruise. And the story goes on to tell us that for 20 hours, this man was treading water in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know what you were doing 20 hours ago, but just imagine whatever it was for 20 hours until this point, you're just treading water. I would submit to you this afternoon that the only thing that mattered to James Grimes in that moment was being rescued. In fact, it was literally his only hope of living was to be rescued. 
Rescue is a word we all know, but just for the sake of clarity today, I want to put a definition on the screen. This is not a spiritual definition. This is right from the dictionary. What does rescue mean? To save from a dangerous or distressing situation. James Grimes was in a dangerous and distressing situation. At one point he said there was a big creature that was following, like circling around him. He's just kicking this creature. If you can imagine how distressing that would be. Rescue. With all this talk of miracles and rescue, what I want us to do together today for just a few moments is look at the reality that that is exactly what the story of Christmas is. Christmas is a story of a miraculous rescue. We find the the rescue played out for us in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you haven't heard what we're about to read this month, I'm sure you will at some point in the next 24 hours. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 21 spell out for us the birth of Jesus Christ. So we're going to read that together this afternoon. Here's what the Bible says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And here's the verse we're going to major on today. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That word save is the word that literally means rescue. So we're going to look today, as we unpack this verse, three realities about this rescue. Because Christmas is a story of a miraculous rescue. So here's the first reality we're going to look at today. Everyone is in need of rescue. I don't know if you are all the way on board with that today, but I want to try for the next few moments to convince you that that is very true. Everyone is in need of rescue. The very concept of rescue implies there's a problem. And the Bible would be very clear for us today what that problem is. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 3, a verse maybe you've heard. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. That word all means every human being ever. We've sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. The word sin means to to miss the mark. It means that all of us have, have aimed our life at something and missed it. But it's not that we just failed one time. That word fall short is a continuous word. It means we didn't just fail one time. We continue to fail to meet the standard of what? The glory of God. The Bible continues with this bad news and tells us that our sin actually earns us something. Look at it in Romans 6, 23. For the wages, that's what you earn, you and I earn of our sin is death. (sighs) Come on, man. I'm here with my family. This is Christmas Eve services. Why are we talking about death? Because it's important to understand that we need rescue. We hear that word death, and if you're like me, when I read that, depending on where I'm at in life, I think that sounds a little intense, right? I mean, like, if we're honest and we're not acting like we're in church and we can just be real, like, it sounds too intense. And I think the reason is, is we actually, as humans, don't see the grievousness of our sin in light of the holiness 
of God. I'll try to illustrate it this way. I don't know how often you pay attention to international news, but there's been some weird stuff happening over in Europe, specifically in, in, in art museums. If you haven't looked, you can look it up later, but there's been some climate activists, some people that are very passionate about climate change, and they've been going to very uh, uh, great reputation museums, and they've been intentionally going with these shirts of protest on about climate change, and they've been going to the, the best pieces of art in these museums, the, the highest priced valued pieces of art. And they have been publicly defacing these pieces of art. So you can imagine how the, the art world feels about this. There were some people that went with shirts on that were protesting climate change and they threw glue all over a Vincent Van Gogh painting. <gasps> A couple months later, some people took tomato soup and in the middle of the thing, threw tomato soup all over this Van Gogh. And of course, nothing really happens in life unless you post it on social media. So they took a selfie and it went viral all over social media. How dare these people? This is what the art world, it was in an uproar. How dare you deface something so beautiful? We understand that, but when it comes to our sin, we somehow put it in a different category. See, I want to try to convince you today, there is nothing more beautiful than the glory of God. And our sin is a public protest to the holy God of heaven as we try to deface the glory of God. There should be an uproar. So when we hear a word like death, that shouldn't be too intense. What the Bible tells us is true. Wages of sin is death. I love how the colonial preacher, Jonathan Edwards, said it. He said, the smallest sin, the smallest sin, is an act of cosmic treason against a holy God. I don't know if you're all the way there today, but we are all in need of rescue because we've all sinned against a holy God. Now, I know where I am <laughs> Christmas Eve services, there are a lot of guests here today and maybe you're here and I just tried to explain to you that you're in need of rescue by using the Bible. And if you're honest, you're like, I don't believe the Bible. It's called circular logic. I'm trying to convince you of something by using something that you don't believe exists or is true. So let me try to meet you where you are. I feel like in the last three years of our culture, it has been screamed from the rooftops how broken our world really is. I don't care who you are here today. You've probably felt this reality that, man, there is just stuff going on in the world. And it's almost like it's not the way it was supposed to be. This is broken. That's why every single year the, the books that top the Amazon's bestsellers are self-help books. What is that literally saying? We need help. Meaning... It's not as it should be, meaning we need fixing. Billions of dollars are put into self-care and, and, and psychology and psychiatry. Why? We're trying to fix ourselves, meaning we're broken. And I don't know about you, maybe I'm the only one that wants to admit it today, but sometimes at the end of a day, I just show up to my house and there's four kids and my wife, and it's just like, man, as hard as I try to do good in this life, I'm just like a hot mess, <laughs> Anybody else want to admit on Christmas Eve they're a hot mess? Listen, if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> We're all a hot mess. And we feel it. When you put your head down at night, you go, man, something's wrong. It's not as it should be. The Bible calls it sin. We may not like that word, but we feel its effects every single 
day. I want to encourage you, we are not the only generation or the first generation to feel the effects of sin. In fact, sometime this week, I encourage you to go back a few verses earlier than we read, and you actually read in the very first verses of the New Testament, Jesus's genealogy. What is that? That is literally Jesus's ancestry.com. And let me just encourage you, his family is a hot mess. If you thought everyone in the Bible was perfect, you probably hadn't read the Bible because they are a mess. Let me give you some low points. In Jesus' family are chronic liars, prostitutes, serial adulterers, murderers. Listen, don't look at them right now, but some of you are in the room with some of your extended family members that flew in from town. Okay, don't look at them, don't look at them. And if you're honest, you're not super looking forward to sitting at dinner with them tomorrow night because you're like, man, my uncle so-and-so is crazy. Let me encourage you. The savior of the world had crazier uncles than you do. And yet still, despite them being a hot mess, that's who God used to bring the savior to the world. Here's what I want you to see. Maybe make it a little more personal. I'll put it on the screen. Maybe the Messiah was born into the mess to show every person who is a hot mess that there is a Messiah greater than your mess. <laughs> Just maybe, somebody needs to hear this today. Maybe the Messiah was born into the mess because he was, look at an old school. They say it was a manger. It was a feeding trough for animals. It was a barn. Maybe he was born into that mess to show every person who is a hot mess, which is all of us, that there is a Messiah greater than your mess. Maybe the whole thing was planned exactly how it played out to show the lowest of lows, the neediest of needy, no matter who you are today, that there's hope for you, that there's a rescuer for you. Listen, I already said it, but every person in this book is woefully broken, but it's not just this book. Everyone in our world, everyone in our city, everyone in this room, everyone on this stage, and yes, I know I'm the only one on this stage, broken. What I've attempted to do in this first part of the message is show you something that may be hard to hear, but it's true. Before the baby in the manger brings excitement, the baby in the manger is an indictment. His very presence in the world shows that we need help. A couple days ago in a Christmas devotional by a man named Paul David Tripp, I read this around this theme. Here's what he said. He said, the coming of Jesus levels the playing field. It puts, all in the same, puts us all in the same category. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, young or old, where you were born, how much money or education you have, what race you are or what natural gifts you possess. Here's the, here's the key part. If you are a human being, the Christmas story confronts you with the depth of your need for help. But the Christmas story doesn't just confront you with your need, it also introduces you to the ultimate helper. See, the bad news is that everyone is in need of rescue, but remember the banner over our time together today, Christmas is a story of a miraculous rescue. I'm gonna draw your attention back to that Carnival cruise ship. A few hours after James Grimes went missing, his family discovered he was missing. And so you better believe, like you, they called an all-out emergency. They sounded the alarm bells. They alerted the authorities. They were screaming from anywhere and everyone that could hear them. They said, our son, our brother, our friend is missing and he needs to be rescued. 
I need you to know as we begin and continue this service, there are people, including myself, and maybe the people that brought you here today, that have been praying that this entire service would be like an alarm bell in your life to say you need rescue because everyone is in need of rescue. But here's a second reality of that rescue. No one is able to rescue themselves. Everyone's in need of rescue, but no one is able to rescue themselves. Again, the the Bible is, is a story of people trying over and over and over and over again and failing every time to do just that, to fix what is broken inside of us. God named Paul, the apostle, would write this to a church in Ephesus, specifically talking about salvation and how we become rescued. He said, for it's by grace, it's a gift that you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, a.k.a. you couldn't. It's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. A few few verses earlier, he would paint an even more bleak picture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says it, and you were, say that word out loud. There's that word again on Christmas Eve. Dead in your trespasses and sins. The Bible would be very clear that every person before they know Jesus is spiritually dead. I don't want to insult your intelligence here at this 3.30 service, but I'm going to ask you a very elementary question. I actually want you to answer out loud. Here it is. What can a dead person do? Nothing, right? It's not a trick question. Nothing. Nobody is expecting anything from a dead person. Why? They're dead. Dead people can do nothing. So this is the reality of ours that is true spiritually before we know Jesus. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. So to say that I am a sinner is not just to say that I do wrong before God, which I do. But it's also to admit that I have a condition that makes me incapable of doing right before God. It makes it incapable of me being made right before God. Not only do I need rescue, but the sobering reality is there is nothing I can do to rescue myself. I want to try to illustrate this for you by using this handy life-saving rescue ring. That is literally what the description on Amazon said when I ordered it this week. The life-saving rescue ring. We've seen one of these. This is actually for nautical purposes. Somebody's drowning. You throw them the life-saving rescue ring to try to rescue them. But I want us to imagine we're not all in a nice, comfortable seat here in this worship center, but we're all right now in a physically distressing situation in need of rescue. But I want us to imagine that what's true of us spiritually is also true of us physically, meaning we're spiritually dead. We're dead. So if I came down here and I walked up this aisle and I looked up here to this top row and I was going to pick somebody to come help me out, and as I say that, everyone's head goes down because they're really afraid I'm going to pick them. But if I were to ask somebody up there to to come and get their rescue, if I said, sir, ma'am, come and get your rescue, what would they have to do? They'd have to stand up, awkwardly file past everyone that was in their row, and then walk down the two flights of stairs to get this rescue. That's how they would achieve it. But we just said they are spiritually dead. And what can dead people do? Nothing. Wow, so we have a problem. There is a gap between the rescue that they need and their ability to reach that rescue. This is exactly where James Grimes found himself for 20 hours 
The story says he was floating in the Gulf of Mexico. We already established the only thing that mattered in that moment was being rescued. But I want to double click on that a little bit more. Nothing else mattered except being rescued. So the degrees he may have had, how smart he was, the money in his bank account, none of that mattered. The only thing that mattered was being rescued. And here was his harsh reality. There was absolutely nothing he could do to rescue himself. See, the same thing is true of us spiritually. There is a massive gap between what we desire, what we need, which is rescue, and our ability to reach that rescue. So what have we done as human beings for as long as we've existed? We have tried everything under the sun to try to bridge that gap between what we need and, what, and our ability to reach it. So what have we done? We've, we've literally tried everything under the sun to try to rescue ourselves. And I want you to see this picture as an attempt for us to bring that rescue to us. So we've tried things like religion. What's religion? It's something billions of people around the world subscribe to. It's a set of rituals and rites, do's and don'ts. And what is it? It's me attempting by my own power to bring the rescue to me. But as you see from this illustration, some of you are caught up in religion and you're so tired and yet your rescue is no closer to you than it was when you first started. But still I strive and I try and I can't help but get, I can't help seem to get the rescue to me. I'm trying in vain. Some of you aren't religious, but instead of religion, you've replaced that with good works or morality. And so you've tried to heap on all your good works and all your morality and, and you're hoping that your, your good works will outweigh your bad things. And, and one day when you get to, to heaven, if that exists and there is a big man upstairs, that you'll be able to stand before him and show him all your toil and show him all your good works to say, look what I've done. Can I have rescue? And you may not say it like that, but that's how we're all living our lives and we are trying and striving. Even, even today, it's Christmas Eve. And you're actually here attempting to do this. And you've got your nicest outfit on, which, by the way, you all look so good. Thank you. And it's just, if you're honest, you would never say this out loud, but it's just another attempt, another deposit that you're saying, I'm going to put this in the deposit of good things that will hopefully get me my rescue. And yet... It's no closer than it was when you first started striving and trying. Why? Because you are unable to rescue yourself. But so many of you, that picture is your life. When the rescue helicopter finally found James Grimes that day, Here's what did not happen. The rescue helicopter did not hover over James Grimes and throw him a rescue ring and tell him, okay, buddy, we're here. Now pull yourself to rescue. Why? Because he had no ability to do so. Any attempt at pulling himself to rescue or swimming to rescue would have been in vain. And some of you know where I'm going with this. So what did the rescuer have to do? The rescuer had to go down to where James Grimes was in his helpless and hopeless state because he could never do it on his own. So the rescuer went down to him. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. Christmas says there is a chasm that exists between us and God. We could never bridge that gap. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much good things we do no matter how religious we are Christmas says you can't bridge that gap 
But Christmas says God loves you and I so much that what we could never do in ourselves, we could never bring the rescue to ourselves. So what does God do at Christmas? God brings the rescue down to us. Look at it in Matthew chapter one. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save, he will rescue his people from their sins. This is the miraculous story of Christmas. Christmas is a story of miraculous rescue. So we all have a need to be rescued. None of us are able to rescue ourselves. So here's the best news on all the earth. Jesus will rescue you. Somebody needs to hear that today because you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe these other folks, but you don't know me. Listen, I hope you've seen today. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been, the lowest of lows, the neediest of needy, Jesus will rescue you. That is what Christmas is all about. Everyone is in need of rescue. No one's able to do it themselves. So Jesus says, I'll come and I'll be the rescuer that they all need. Praise God. Some of you, none of us here are are treading water in the Gulf of Mexico today. But I believe a lot of us are treading water in life's waters. And if you're honest today, you may look the part today, but you are drowning. Some of you right now are treading the waters of, of addiction treading the waters of of depression and you came in here with a smile but right now you feel like you are drowning and this might be your last leg or maybe it's not a negative thing some of you are here and if you're honest you're treading the waters of luxury and self-indulgence but harder the harder you try to keep up with the joneses you realize the joneses are always just a few steps ahead of you and you can never keep up And so you're drowning in your ability to try to keep up with some fake family that doesn't exist. You're treading life's waters today in in self-pity or anger or lust. Whatever it may be, you feel like you're drowning. And here's what I am here to tell you. There is a rescuer who would like to rescue you from that water you're swimming in that was never meant to satisfy you in the first place. And his name is... Is Jesus, and he will rescue you. You see, the baby in the manger would eventually grow up to live a perfect life. Around the age of 30 or so, he would begin to do miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead, claiming to be God in the flesh, which is what they named him back in the manger, Emmanuel, God with us. They continue to to show people that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was telling people that he could save them from their sins. And obviously the religious people of the day did not like this new revolutionary. So they made a plot to kill him. Little did they know their little cute plot was actually God's sovereign plan from the beginning of time, beginning of eternity. And that's exactly how he was going to choose to save his people from their sins. Just like we read in Matthew 1. That Jesus, when he hung on the cross, all of your sin and all of my sin would be on Jesus. And he would die for the sin of the world. That's what Romans 5, 6 says. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I thank God right there it doesn't say Christ died for the put together. Christ died for the people that look like they have everything. No, Christ died for the ungodly. That's a big, huge group of people and we're all in it. 
Christ died for the ungodly. He was buried. He rose again three days later. And here's what some of you need to hear right now, maybe for the first time. Right now, that victorious king whose mission was accomplished stands ready to rescue you into a relationship with himself, a friendship with God. You can be rescued today. Here's what I've tried to communicate in these few minutes that I hope you've heard. No matter who you are, you are worse off than you realize. But here's the deal. You are worth more than you can fathom. You are worse off than you realize. And we talked a little bit about that today. But here's the glorious good news of the gospel. You are worth more than you can fathom. We've prayed a whole lot for people in this service. I believe there are people here today leaning in to say, this sounds too good to be true. How can I get in on that kind of rescue? Because you're speaking to me. I feel, I've talked to a lady in the lobby last night. I felt like the whole time you were talking right to me. That's not me talking. That's the Holy Spirit of God. How do I get in on this rescue? Well, the Bible continues to show us in Romans. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word will is the same word from Matthew 121. He will, he will save his people from their sins. Hear this today. It's not he's going to attempt to save you. He might save you. If you're having a good week and you look put together, he'll save you. No, no, no. He will save you. How? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead today, you will be rescued. What a gift. What a gift. An old preacher named Charles Trumbull said it like this. Grace, that's the gift of God. It's not partly man's work and partly God's work. It's wholly and exclusively God's accomplishment. All man can do, like James Grimes, is receive it as God's outright, undeserved, and wholly sufficient gift. What a Christmas this could be in 2022. If you came to a church service to oblige a family member or somebody at the Starbucks that gave you an invite card and you actually walked away rescued by the grace of God, that can happen for you today. For me, it happened when I was just before my senior year of high school. I grew up here in Las Vegas. I didn't have any context for Jesus or church, and I didn't have any of that in my life. And I got invited to a, a summer camp. And honestly, I, I didn't go to the summer camp for the right reasons. I did not go to worship Jesus, okay? I was there for all the wrong reasons, but in a setting just like this, some dude stood on a stage and he communicated this gospel of rescue. And I knew in that moment, God was speaking right to me. And in that summer camp auditorium, I said yes to the rescue of God. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that he gives life and life abundantly. I'm looking back almost 20 years of following Jesus from that day. And I'm looking at a life I could never dream of living. And not because of material things, but because of what God has done in my life through this rescue. And some of you are here today and you think you just took grandma's invite or didn't want your friend to feel bad who gave you an invite card. But I would challenge you that that might not be why you're here today. You might be here because the sovereign God of the universe has actually orchestrated everything in your life to be here in this moment to hear the greatest news of all time. That the rescue of God is available for you. That because of what Jesus has done for you and I, you can be rescued. 
So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to simply ask the rescuer to save you. You're just going to say, God, save me. And guess what? The Bible says if you confess and you believe, he will. Not might, not try. He has all power and all authority. He will save his people. So I'm going to ask everyone in the room right now just to bow your heads for a moment. The reason I'm doing that is not because there's power in a bowed head. It's because it just helps you be undistracted for a moment. Just there by yourself in your heart. And if you're here today and you know you need to be rescued. You're that person that said, I felt like you were speaking to me exactly the entire time. It wasn't me speaking. It was the Holy Spirit of God. And in this moment, he is asking you if you'd like to be rescued. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not the words of a prayer that save you, but it just helps give a box for, for you to confess that you need rescue. I remember praying a prayer very similar to this in that summer camp auditorium. So if that's you today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer just silently before God, to God. Say, Jesus, I admit that you are God. I confess that I have sinned against you. I confess that you came into this world. I confess that you died on the cross for my sins. I confess that you rose again from the dead. And because of all that, I confess that you will save me. Jesus, I turn from my sin. I receive your gift of salvation. And I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate right now with everyone who may have just prayed that prayer? I believe God rescued some people in this place. So here's what's about to happen. We're about to end our service with a song of response called, Oh, Praise the Name, because that's what we want to do. We want to praise the name of this rescuing God. But if you're here today, and you just gave your life to Jesus. You just asked the rescuer to save you. I'm going to ask you to do something pretty bold. We're going to have pastors down here. You guys can go ahead and come. There's actually going to be some pastors along the back as well. If you're in the top upper deck, I know it's kind of weird to walk all the way down here. So we have some pastors up there in the landing. But what we want you to do is we want you to actually come and let us know that you've just received rescue. Why is that? Because you are now a Christian. You didn't make a decision. You now belong to the family of God. And we want to walk with you. You were never meant to do this Christian life alone. None of us were ever meant to do this alone. And so we want to know who you are so we can begin to walk with you. We have some resources we want to give you. So we're going to stand to sing in just a minute. And I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer of rescue, God save me to, to be bold enough to stand up and to walk down to one of these guys or, or up there and, and tell them, I, I just got rescued. Just like the lady did in the, in the lobby out yesterday. She literally came to me and she said, I have been rescued. Praise God. I want you to know if you're feeling weird right now, there's just a whole bunch of Christians around this place that are just going to be shouting and cheering for what God has done because our God is a rescuing God. So you don't have to feel weird. We want to walk with you. So I'm going to pray. And as soon as we stand, if you've been rescued today, listen, you're not coming down to a pastor to be saved, to be rescued. Jesus already saved you and rescued you in your seat. We're asking you to come down so we can walk with you and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. In the next couple weeks and months, I remember those, those weeks and months. I praise God I had some people around me to help me, 
to teach me what it looks like. We want to give you some resources. So if that's you, make sure you come down and we will celebrate as we praise the name of the Lord our God. Jesus, you are a rescuing God. Thank you for anybody in this room who cried out to you for rescue. I believe by faith and the authority of your word that you have saved them. But now you give them the boldness, Lord, to, to let us know so we can walk with them and continue to see them grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you've received Christ, come and let us know.